0: section eleven the first chapter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tom hirsch no rushing sound we heard we saw no fiery token only our hearts were stirred for god had spoken the temptation to seek a life of quiet and retirement followed francis all his days invariably after any new departure or special victory he was attacked in that quarter why he should have been so troubled when his call to follow christ was so clear we are not qualified to say definitely in all probability this temptation of his was akin to paul's messenger of satan and thorn in the flesh that buffeted him lest he should be unduly exalted the most interesting point to us nineteenth-century christians is that by the grace of god francis never yielded to this temptation that having once put his hand to the plough he never turned back but remained faithful to the end we must take into consideration that the order of which francis was the founder was in itself unique it stood alone in the annals of church history it was a novelty in the church all other existing orders followed a totally different line of action or rather inaction their disciples were shut up in solitude and devoted themselves to their own sanctification when they worked for sinners it was by praying for them by example and by a little preaching they never came face to face with the outside world their lives were remote apart these facts may have had something to do with francis periods of darkness and indecision a pioneer's life has its own peculiar temptations perhaps the worst season of darkness that francis had was after the establishment of the second order an internal agony seized him was he he asked himself not trying to do something superhuman in uniting a contemplative with an active life so often he had been told by people much wiser and cleverer than himself that the life he had marked out was humanly impossible he wrestled and prayed but nothing could dissipate the heavy blackness that spread itself over his pathway. He determined to appeal to his brethren and followed their advice. His appeal for help gives us a striking instance of how subtly Satan can take the form of an angel of light. My brethren, what do you advise me? he asked. Which do you consider best? That I should attend to prayer? or that i should go and preach i am a simple man that speaks without art i have received the gift of prayer more than of speaking besides there is more profit in prayer it is the source of grace in preaching we only distribute to others the gifts we have received prayer purifies the heart and affections it is the union with the one true and solid good preaching makes the feet of even the spiritual man dusty it is a work that distracts and dissipates and leads to relaxation of discipline in short in prayer we speak to god and listen to him in preaching we must use much condescension towards men and living among them it is often necessary to see hear think and speak like them in too human fashion these are very serious objections and yet there is a reason that seems to give it most weight with god it is that his only son left the bosom of the father to save souls and to instruct men by his example and word he gave all he had for our salvation he kept nothing for himself therefore it seems to me more in conformity with the divine will that i renounce a tranquil life and that i go to work abroad but what is your advice speak what do you think i ought to do the respective merits of the question had been so equally weighed that it is not surprising that the brethren one and all declared themselves unable to give any advice for several days they conferred but no clear light shone upon their conferences it was an important matter to decide because the whole future conduct of the order hung upon the decision as francis would walk so also would tread his disciples this fact together with the general uncertainty pressed heavily upon his soul one of the most spiritual of francis historians says that god permitted him to pass through this darkness because he wanted his servant whom he had already made a prophet to learn by a striking example that no inspiration comes to us from ourselves and more than this he wished the merit and glory of preaching to be consecrated by a species of oracle that could only be attributed to him this is how the answer came francis always little in his own eyes was never ashamed of inquiring of any one the simple as well as the learned the imperfect as well as the perfect if he thought by so doing he would be the better able to extend the kingdom in the present instance getting no light from the brethren he sent a message to brother sylvester who was now a very old man and lived by himself on a mountain and another to clara asking them to pray that god would reveal to them his will the old priest and the young girl and her companions gave themselves up to prayer and god who declares that he will be inquired of revealed to them his will when the messages came as they did together francis was on his knees praying both messengers carried the same message it was god's will they said that he should leave his solitude and preach the gospel immediately without losing a moment francis got up put on his mantle and set off all his doubt had vanished at once let us go my brethren he said let us go in the name of the lord it seemed as if he were possessed by a new spirit never had he been so fervent never had his ardour been so intense to all that he did god set his seal in a truly marvellous manner the inhabitants of the various villages flocked to hear him and they almost stood upon one another to find places in the churches and cathedrals in those days the cathedrals and great churches were not seated the people stood all the time the men to the front and the women very often far behind when there was a large crowd the crush was fearful in Escoli, some thirty men from the church joined the miners and were given the habit After this event Francis could not show himself in the street without being surrounded by a crowd. When once he came into a town the population had no thought for anyone but him. The churches were filled as soon as ever it was known he was going to speak. Even in the streets they eagerly gathered up his words. Thus it was everywhere he went through central Italy his name was in everyone's mouth it was some time now since the building at the portiancule had become far too small to accommodate all who wished to join the friars there had been nothing for it but to overflow into the neighbouring provinces it is a matter of some regret that but little of the history of this extension has been preserved we shall see how bernardo de Quintavella and guido of cortona established branches of the order and no doubt the story of other new ventures would have been equally interesting but all that history has handed down to us is a list of names the tiny seed that francis had sown in weakness was rapidly becoming a great tree though this progress was gratifying to him it also caused him some suffering by nature he was intensely affectionate and when one by one he had to send out from him his old companions to take charge of distant branches his heart was sad indeed one day while he was thinking as he often did about his absent friends the thought occurred to him that something might be done to alleviate this separation something too that would benefit the entire order twice a year it was arranged that all the brethren new and old should meet at the portionkula this idea proved to be so good that it became one of the fundamental rules of the order the first of these chapters as they were called was held after francis had completed his tour of central italy The brethren came from far and near. They came pouring in from all quarters, up from the valleys and down from the mountains, and from the shining sea-coast, streams of brown-robed barefooted men of all classes and conditions of life. And what were they coming to? a little church and convent as poor as themselves where there were not even provisions enough on hand to supply one hundredth part of the hundreds that were flocking there with one meal but in perfect faith and trust they came plodding along under the blazing sun some wrapped in meditation others saluting all they met with their gentle salutation the peace of god such a sight was never seen in italy before and from castle and city poured glittering vividly colored groups to see the wonderful sight the richly colored garments of the crowd and the gaily decked cavalcade from the country and castle formed a brilliant foil to the brown-robed stream of friars the portioncula is situated on one of the lowest slopes of the Apennine Hills. Below it stretches the wide plain. This was the guest chamber. There were no other beds than the bare ground, with here and there a little straw. But we need not pity them as far as sleeping out of doors goes, because the Umbrian nights are of all things most beautiful. The air was soft and warm and the brilliant blue starred heavens above did away with any need of artificial light francis met this crowd with great pleasure and cheerfulness though he had not a crust to offer them when they were all assembled he told them with sublime faith to give no thought as to what they were to eat or drink but only to praise god and his faith was rewarded The people came from Perugia, Spoleto, Foligno, and Assisi, and from all the neighboring country to carry meat and drink to that strange congregation. They came with horses and asses, and carts laden with bread and cheese and beans and other good things. And besides this they brought plates and jugs and knives and knights and barons and other noblemen who had come to look on waited on the brothers with much devotion it was such a sight as once seen could never be forgotten in these chapters francis was at his best and happily the historians of the time have preserved for us details of his mode of work he was there to spend and be spent his one desire was that the brethren should gain a renewal of spiritual strength in the days passed together and at the same time that the order in general should be benefited to attain the first end he employed what we have pointed out before as being one of his strongest points private and individual dealing as we have also already intimated We feel sure that the greater part of his phenomenal success resulted from this in his own mind he had the brethren carefully graded there were three divisions first the fervent second the troubled in spirit and thirdly the tepid the correctness with which he assigned everyone to his proper place was well-nigh divine at the time of writing, the fervent were numerous, but they were likely to be carried away by an exaggerated zeal. Some of them wore chains and were ruining their health with overwatchings and fastings. Francis boldly forbade this. He would have none of it. He spoke to such kindly and tenderly, but he also spoke forcibly, in commending that reason which must regulate piety as it regulates human life by precise and detailed rules he delivered the fervent from exhausting their strength before its time and thus preserved them for their work but it was not an easy task that of controlling the fervent especially when there was a spice of self-will in addition to the fervency in a large community such as francis now had on his hands there is always sure to be a large percentage of troubled ones francis well knew this he knew that the devil was always on the alert that trials without and within are the lot of every mortal these troubled ones found in their leader a tower of strength to him they poured out their most secret confidences the difficulties they had with uncongenial brethren their interior doubts and fears, and awful dread that such might one day cause them to fall away. Francis showed all such the sincerest compassion. They knew and felt that he loved them. His sympathy was a remedy in itself. They left him cheered and refreshed and strengthened. Human weakness is never slow in showing itself and the tepid were easily recognized they were generally those who had made a very good beginning but had allowed their zeal to cool and were becoming unfaithful to the grace god had given them and to the rules of the order francis was always gentle to these as he was gentle to all but he knew how to maintain his authority to reprove, blame and correct he followed the divine recommendation if thy brother shall offend thee go and rebuke him between thee and him alone his happiness was complete if he could gain the tepid brother in the general meetings where all the brethren were assembled he dealt with the interests of the whole work he was very strong at these times on the duty of humility make yourselves small and humble to everyone he would say but above all be humble to the priests the care of souls has been entrusted to them we are only auxiliaries to do what they cannot do they were never to enter any field of labor without the invitation or at least the consent of the local clergy and then when they had received this permission they must never act as though they were masters this policy acted well the local clergy had no misgivings in seeking their assistance they knew that these men would not try to make the people discontented with their own pastors but rather so content another spirit francis strove to get into his followers that was the spirit of tolerance he warned them against carrying their attitude in regard to riches to excess and to say that all men must see as they did or remain unsaved other reformers had done this and were extinguished the rule of poverty was god's leading for francis all men he recognized were not called to follow this track though some of his disciples in their enthusiasm would have it that they were to them francis said do not use the sacrifices you impose upon yourselves as a weapon beware of haughty reproofs we must show the same mercy that has been shown to us the god who has called us may also call them by and by i wish all that are here never to call the rich anything but brothers and lords they are our brothers since they have the same creator as we and they are our lords also because without them we could not persevere in the poverty that we have made our law the spirit of tolerance was to extend to the sinners he did not like to hear them berated many who are the children of the devil today, he said will become true disciples perhaps they will go before us this thought alone ought to keep us from all violence of language we have been sent to bring back to the truth those who are ignorant and in error that is our office and one that is not accomplished by the use of cutting words and sharp reproaches it is not enough that our compassion be in words only the important thing is that it should be in our deeds that all who see us may by occasion of us praise our common father who is in heaven he was also strong on holiness he taught that there must be a true light within that shines only from a clean heart before it can shine on the outer world and without this no good work could be accomplished. Francis was full of the grace and wisdom of Jesus Christ. Of the spiritual effect of the first chapter, a historian writes, The brethren valued the gift they had received. Not one of them cared to talk of profane matters. They talked about the holy examples given by some amongst them, And sought together ways of growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. End of section 11. Recording by Tom Hirsch.